He was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So tonight we have the privilege of welcoming back Gordon Wallers, and so he is coming from First Christian Church in San Francisco. So Gordon, if you'd like to join us. I said we were going to be there last week, and I asked this, that you step out and eat with sinners and tax collectors. So anybody that was here last week that did that, raise your hand that you ate with sinners or tax collectors. Okay, good. I would hate for the whole church to flunk, but come on now, people. I got here next week. I'm going to ask the same question. So the idea is that we're studying about Matthew's life to see what it is that Christ might be compelling us to do. And one of the things that we said last week was that as we looked at it, Jesus was very comfortable sitting and eating with tax collectors and sinners, and sometimes as Christians, we're not. So that was the challenge last week. This week, we'll see what else. Uh, When we look at Mark, and as we look at Mark, you undoubtedly know that's actually Peter's narrative. Peter told Mark what to write down, and so full of action, and so we'll see some of that stuff play out tonight. Let me pray and ask God to bless us and give us wisdom. God, we're asking for wisdom tonight as we Explore your scripture. It's not that we want to recreate anything, but we want to actually see what it is that you're telling our hearts and our minds to do. May the words tonight be yours. Any words that are mine be quickly forgotten, and may your spirit enlighten us to what you are calling us to do. It's because of you we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week is foreshadowing. Just so you know, this passage occurs one more time. It's in Luke. So if you want to look ahead, we'll be in Luke next week, and we'll be learning three other things. So it's pretty simple. This way I thought, you know, like if Albert comes back and he's like, so what did, what did Gordon have to say? And you're like, ah, oh, I can't remember. I'm giving you three shots here, people. I mean, all you have to do is say, hey, I think it was something about Matthew, and you'd be right. So good for you. In this particular account, uh, we have Mark uh, setting the pace through Peter's eyes. And he says, uh, he went out again, being Jesus, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. I love that phrase where it says, he went out again beside the sea. And I want to pause there and say one of the things that we can do to be maybe better Christian, an example would be, is to do something again and again and again. One of the things that I think that we as Christians could do a better job of is having what has been called missional trails, like ant trails, if you will. And these missional trails are patterns of our life that we do that can engage people. An example. When you're on a missional trail, it means that you will do the same repetitive action over and over and over, again, for the purpose of preaching or being Christ. Here's a couple of examples that came to my mind. When I was in rural Nebraska, and back when we used to rent videos from video stores, I would every week go to the video store to pick up the videos that I was going to use to be the illustrations for the sermon that week. I would call ahead for them, but I would always take about a half hour, and I would always reserve them so that when I came to the video store called Video Kingdom, how can there be a Video Kingdom in Nebraska? I'm not sure, but there was, and we went, and I would say, I'm here to pick up whatever movie it was, and she would hand it to me, the manager there. It got so regular, because I came in every Tuesday, 10 o'clock, that as she saw me coming in, she'd reach down and pick up the movie I had and would hand it to me. A missional trail is important that they're consistent. You're picking the exact same time so that you can find the same employees, you can have the same interactions, and it's because you want to have a conversation that might not normally would happen. 
And if your conversation is always, yes, I'm here to pick up such and such movie, and I believe I called ahead, or if I went looking for it and spent my time looking for it and picking it off the shelf, I've wasted time that I could do something again and again, like it says here, he went out to the sea again beside the sea. And this one particular time, as she gave me the movie, she said, I find it really amazing that you always come in on Tuesdays and get sermons for your movies. I didn't think ministers did those kind of things. And we talked a little bit about that. And I said, well, do you have any movies that you could recommend? And she said, well, I've noticed what movies you've rented, which is always kind of scary if someone's going through your account and looking at what movies you've looked at. Hopefully you're above board and that wouldn't scare you too much. And that began another conversation. The next week she said this to me as I picked up my movie. So I have a question for you. My friend's husband came home from work really mad. He poured gasoline all over and lit her on fire. Why would God let that happen? I believe that we don't get asked that question if you're not doing something regularly over and over in someone's life. If you're coming into a video store looking around trying to find the sermon prep or some video you want to watch that night, or if you're in general not paying attention to the person behind the counter, you're not going to have those decisions. When I lived in Atlanta, we planted a church there. I said that last week. And the neighborhood that we planted in was kind of like Berkeley meets um, Haight-Ashbury, that kind of a combination. So as we were there, there were coffee shops on every corner. There was one that all Christians go to called Starbucks, but I had read the local magazine, the local newspaper, and it called that Star F's. But it didn't say F, of course. It just... Why would I ever go to coffee there if I want to talk to... In fact, I went there a couple times when denominational leaders wanted to meet, and there were good Christians, and they all had their Bibles laid out and their notebooks and probably their prayer journals, and that's really good, but that happened at Star F's. I went to Aurora. At Aurora, I learned to love chai with soy milk. I, I ordered it every time. I ordered it so much that I could be in line, and when they saw me, it was ready for me, and I could have a conversation, albeit brief, because it was a regular pattern. It was a missional trail. These are just small examples. The last one here in the city, when I was in San Francisco, I took my staff when I was at First Baptist, and we went to a place called Orphan Andes in Castro. If you ever get a chance to go to Orphan Andes in Castro, it's great. It's a greasy spoon, 24 hours a day. It's in the heart of the Castro. The flag's shadow falls onto it. And as we're meeting there as a staff, Michael, my favorite server, he's asking everybody what they want, and he gets their order, and then when he comes back, he fills up their coffee, takes his other hand, and fills my coffee cup, then goes back. Now, it occurred to the staff that I hadn't taken my breakfast order, and I had asked them out for breakfast. They said, why haven't you uh, ordered breakfast? I said, he knows what I want. I always order two eggs sunny side up with potatoes and soft bacon with sourdough bread. Always. Is that my favorite breakfast? No, I actually can't stand breakfast. Okay. Well, as we're waiting for the food, Cindy, the brightest one of the bunch, says, hey, wait a minute. We all got coffee, and then with his other hand, he served you coffee. Is that a decaf? No. Okay. Um, you don't even like coffee. It's true. I don't. But this is Michael's coffee, and he makes it doubly strong. Yeah, but you don't even like coffee. That's right. It's a conversation I'm having with him. And every time he comes and fills up my coffee, I can have deep, bigger and deeper conversations. That has led to conversations about Christ. That has led to, even this week, challenging him with his not-discovered-faith yet. It's a missional pattern. It's a missional trail that I think Jesus demonstrated because he's saying, again, and I might be reaching here and you might think I am, but it says when he went out again beside the sea, it was something that people could bet on. And I'm, I'm sure Matthew, as he was sitting here, knew that Jesus was going to come by. 
Maybe he had played out conversations in his mind. Maybe he thought, hey, the next time he comes by, I'm going to ask him this or whatever. It was something that regularly could be depended on. Are you having missional trails in your life where people can interact with you about their faith in ways that they can talk sideways to you? Well, we know, right? You know when you're going up to someone. You can't go up to someone at Starbucks or any other place, Pete's, wherever, Phil's, and say, hey, do you know that God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life? That's probably not going to be your best sales pitch. However, if you're consistently there, building up reputation, they know that you're going to have the soy chai, and they're always doing that, and they see you as a consistent person, a person that tips well. So when you're doing missional trails and restaurants, if you're a server, you know it has to begin with 20%. I was a server once, and anybody that ever talked about Jesus only gave me 10%, maybe on a good day, and never on a Sunday. Tip big. If you talk about Jesus, man, tip goes up to 20% no matter what. That being said... Are you going on missional trails where people can talk to you, even if it's sideways, about your relationship with Christ? Do they know who you are? Are you in their life consistently enough to see them? Jesus was consistently teaching at the sea. All the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. He said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. We spent a lot of time talking about last week that he rose and followed him. The story continues, and it says, As he reclined at his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Have we talked about Ray Oldenburg at all? Because I, I don't want to talk about things that haven't. Does that name kind of sound familiar? Wrote a Great Good Place book. So here's the premise. He would say, he's a sociologist, and says that kind of things are collapsing on themselves. We don't have places that we can have good, hard conversations. We used to, he would say, we used to have them in the barbershops, the bowling alleys, uh, imagine Mayberry, if you will, kind of, he kind of misses that kind of era. And he says it's because the third places are all disappearing, the great good places. Uh, for sake of the conversation, he would say, your first place is home. You spend the bulk of your time thinking about home, speaking about home, doing home things, and your second is work. Sometimes those can be reversed. Sometimes it's work and then home, and sometimes it's home and then work. But your third place, what he is asking for, And this is where you're visiting with your neighbors, your friends, and you're discussing maybe politics, maybe your faith, maybe a community project that you're working on. But that's where the things rub together and they kind of bristle. The Australians and English are ahead of us here. They have pubs and they kind of do that in their pubs. Pubs are not bars. Those are two different things. So I I wanted to be clear that there's this meeting of minds and kind of clashing and it's okay. It's a good civil discourse. Oldenburg says those don't happen in America. But actually, they kind of are because we have them already. What's our third place? Anyone? Bueller? Here we are in our third place. Right? Church. And the church activity. Sometimes it's disguised as a small group. Sometimes it's disguised as a fellowship. Sometimes it's disguised as a Sunday night service or a Sunday morning service. But for the bulk of us, myself included, the next place that gets time from us is church. So then when we want to engage people, we're stuck to put that at fourth place. It's really bad in some churches, and this isn't one, so happy to talk about it. Mine's not one, where they'll say, hey, we have a gym here, and you don't have to go out into 24 Fitness. You don't have to go to Gold's. Just slide your card, and you come to First Christian's Gym, and you can do whatever you want, and we will take all those things away from you stress out. I'm taking you out of third places. We need to be in third places, not fourth places. This example where it says he was with Matthew at his house, Matthew got it. He was having people over. He was combining his worlds. He was saying, my third place where I want to see the worlds collide is in my house. I'm going to host meals. So last week, there were some uh, announcements about small groups. 
Super cool. You need to do those. Um, they're even cooler, in my opinion, some of them more this way, when they're only twice a month. One, because sometimes I lose the interest. But the other t- reason I like them is because the other two weeks, you could be engaging something. Tomorrow is my small group night. I, I do it on the odd number weeks of the month. So I do it in the first and third Mondays of the month and sometimes the fifth, right? First, third, and fifth. It's European board games that I'm about to play. I will play them from 7 p.m. till we've gone to 3 a.m. sometimes. We're very geeky that way, right? So I'm playing Settlers Catan, Carcassonne. I'm playing whatever comes up, and I'm playing them till wee hours of the night with other people. Meetup.com. If you ever see it, you should get a hold of it. Meetup.com is just basically a driving force throwing communities together. I throw it in here because as Christians, we should be engaged in the third places, but we're pulling ourselves out and saying, I don't have time for that. I have small group. I have church service. I have fellowship time. Matthew invited Jesus over to his house to be with his friends. I am going there tomorrow night, and I'm hosting it, to play board games. I love them. I could play all night, and I, I demonstrate that. I'm, I'm the last one out the door. I'm there because I want to show my gaming geeks what Jesus would look like if he played. When I go there, I think through what Matthew must have been like. How cool is it? I usually have this big party at my house once a month. This time, I'm bringing Jesus as my guest, and it's going to be really cool. I'm going to have all my friends and Jesus who asked me to join him. I was excited to find out a couple weeks ago that... Uh, one of the kids that comes to my gaming group said, you know, I've been going around the neighborhoods and trying to figure out what neighborhood I should live in. I think I'm going to choose DeBose Triangle. That's the neighborhood I live in. That's where my church is. And I said, why would you do that? He said, I love this gaming group. Love it. And I want to be close to it so I can walk to it. That's pretty cool. I would find out later that he's a Christian. Even cooler. So Josh and I, now beforehand, we kind of give each other the look like, all right, let's go, let's go have some kingdom time. Let's go do some things. I invited him to church one time. He came and it just didn't work for him. For a lot of us, we would say, oh, that's just so frustrating. I, I wanted my church to grow. I want to be bigger. For me, I did go through those emotions, but I was very happy the next Monday when I saw Josh and he was ready to game and promote the kingdom of God. He's there. He didn't have to go to my church. Ray Oldenburg really informs us that so third places are important. Meetup is maybe what happened right here. Levi having a meal, saying, hey, come on over. you got to hear this guy. It's incredible. Where are you having conversations with people that you can be real about Jesus? Are you hoping they ask you? It happens sometimes. I'm not saying it doesn't. It's rare. I think it's even rarer if you're not doing missional trails. When are the times that you're saying, hey, you know what? This is what I think Jesus would look like, Whatever. My friend Mike tells the story of a guy that church just wigged him out. He's probably ADHD, maybe like some of us that are hiding it, I don't know. But he just couldn't do church. And he always felt like, oh my goodness, I can't do church. I just can't do it again. It's driving me crazy. And so he decided one Sunday, as fearful as he was, and I'm not being funny when I say it, he was fearful, he skipped church. Now, he knew that he couldn't just skip church. He needed to have some kind of grandiose plan. And so he went with he and his mates, this is an Australian story, water skiing, and he thought that would be a good thing to do. Back in the boat in, something comes over him, he said, and he felt a little, even more guilty than normal, and he said, hey, before we go water skiing, I brought this Bible. He's got one of these little Gideon Bibles, and he said, I was wondering if I could just read something. It's Sunday and all, if I could just read something. Oh, sure, go ahead. He, by his own words, opens it up randomly and reads a section, closes it, said, yeah, that's good. 
And he said, I, you know, I think we should probably pray for safety because, you know, we're skiing on a Sunday, probably should pray for safety. Okay. Anything else we should pray about? Well, yeah, one guy's like, you know, I've been out of work for ever. I'd love if we prayed about getting a job. I, it's, it's getting bad. Another guy says, oh, yeah, my, my grandma's in the hospital. She's not going to make it. Pray for her soul. Just pray for her soul. Okay. So they pray. And then they spend the day water skiing. Didn't give it a second thought. Until the next week when he's Saturday night, like, sure love water skiing. Don't want to burn in hell. Uh, let's go water skiing. So as they're going water skiing, they're putting the boat back into the river. And this time, he's not as worried as he was last time when one of his mates says, Hey, you going to read out of that little book again? That was pretty cool. He reads something. Oh, okay. Yeah, are we going to pray now? Sure. Sure, we could pray. What should we pray about? Well, before you do that, i got to say, I went home and on my message machine, somebody offered me a job. Wow, that's, that's great. Yeah, you know what? My grandmother went home. She's healthy. She's been home all week. It's been wonderful. What, what do you suppose happened there? They prayed again. Now, fast forward the story. <laughs> Every Sunday they go water skiing. They read something out of the little book. They pray. And they thought, shouldn't we do something more than this? Like, what if we helped everybody that was on the river with their broken lines or ran out of gas? And we just helped people on that day. We could be like chaplains of the river or something. Oh, okay. Let's do that. And it's such a great time. What if we, what if we came a little earlier and had lunch and we could have some bread, cheese, and wine and... Yeah, okay. Well, now this is where Mike answers the story, and it's all told to him. And Mike was like, I thought you said you didn't like church. I said, oh, I can't stand it. It drives me crazy. I'm ADHD. It's, it just makes me go bonkers. And Mike said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you've started one. What? And I can't say the words that he said, but what would suffice there? He said, yeah. You're even breaking bread and sharing wine. I mean, sharing scripture. You're praying, you're caring for each other. Isn't that what a church should be? I wonder if sometimes when we look at this story here in Matthew, and we say, yeah, but it was just a meal. Jesus was speaking at it. Jesus probably had some really good jokes. Jesus probably could tell these people stories that would make their heads spin. People wanted to be with him. They weren't saying, you know, this is really good and all, but... I've got a commitment that I've got to go to. He was the life of the party. Again, and maybe too much so, I'm, I'm going to talk to my, my friend Mike. So I'm with Mike in Pittsburgh. If you ever get a chance to go to Pittsburgh, you should go. It's a lot of fun. The, they've revitalized. It's a nice city. And so we're down there uh, on the river, and uh, we're talking about how to talk to someone about Jesus. How do you do it? It's so hard. Because you can't do the four spiritual laws. You can't do the bridge to life. You, can't, I mean, you could, but it seems so out of touch. How do you do it? And Mike was like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. You just talk about Jesus. People love Jesus in America. This is an easy win. Sorry, if you've ever been to Pittsburgh, it doesn't seem like an easy win. These people are harsh. They're big. They put pickles on their sauerkraut, on their hot dogs. I mean, it's just, they seem like harsh people to me. Mike said, I don't mean to be rash, but here's how you do it. He left where we were eating. He went up to the bar and within 10 minutes came back and said, hey, I got invited to this party down the street. I'll see you guys tonight. Goodbye. What? The next day, when he's debriefing us, we said, how did you do it? How, did, you, did they just love your accent? He said, I suppose. I don't know. Who doesn't like an Australian accent? But 
really, you just talk about Jesus, people. They want to know more. When we see this example, it's easiest for us to say, yeah, but that was Matthew. But if you look at the text, it says it was with his friends, and there was a bunch of them, and they are eating. I can imagine this happened regularly. Are you doing things, are you placing yourself in other people's lives so that you can talk about Jesus, or are you avoiding those conversations? I hope they don't ask me about Jesus. So I had a neighborhood meeting this week. I've talked about my neighborhood meetings. They're kind of funny. One of them, I've said, and maybe it was to you, I'm at a meeting, and in the middle of the meeting, Doug says, hey, wait a minute, before we continue, got a question for the minister. How do you explain Tim Tebow? Now, this was at the time where Tim was starting to win all those games. He's getting national spotlight. That's an odd question to be asked. How do you answer that? So I said, what do you mean? Doug, I'm not sure what you mean. He said, I want to know how you, as someone I imagine likes God more than I do, explain Tim Tebow, who really seems to be liking God. How do you explain that? I said, well, I think your fears are confirmed. It's exactly what you think. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And I don't know what he thought. I just thought I'd throw that out there to (laughs) see if he was listening to me. And... um, I said, I think that uh, God is not letting Tim Tebow win. I think Tim Tebow is going to probably lose to the Patriots the next week, which the Patriots really showed that. I do think that Tim Tebow is a good, honest man that works hard and has been given a platform, and he's using it. Oh. I said, let me ask you, Doug, is that offensive to you? He said, not in any way. If all Christians were like him, obnoxious but pretty cool. Okay, I think I'd take that instead of being irrelevant. Ray Oldenburg really works out first, second, third, and fourth place out for us. All I'm asking you for tonight is consider how you're spending your time. Work is consuming you. Life is consuming you. But then when you have a free time, are you making opportunities for Jesus to come visit you and your friends? It can be as geeky as board game night. I endorse that heavily. Whatever your interests, bring Jesus into that. Meetup.com. Simple, you just go there. I'm interested in European board games. I'm interested in fly fishing. I'm interested in whatever it would be, and they will tell you the groups that are meeting around you. If you don't find any groups meeting around you, create one. If I were your pastor, I would say every Christian needs to be in a meetup group, every one of you. You will have honest conversations. And here's the thing. You will have conversations that you didn't know because the hardest part with this first place, second place, and third place conversation is you have to find people that are like-minded, I could have a singer-songwriter one. I'm not a singer-songwriter. As soon as you heard me sing, you'd know that. If you've heard some of the songs I've written, you would definitely know that. I am a board game geek. So what happens is on this board game night, I do it in my church basement, and right next to the door there's this huge table, and I stack it up with all my games. People come in, and they're very tentative in the city. I don't know. Maybe they would not be as tentative here. But why would I go to a board game night in a church? Kind of freaky. As they come in, they see my table. I have instant street cred. I got some really good games. I got the first edition of Seller's Catan. I was playing that before some of you were born, right? I got it in 95 when it first came out. I have the first edition, and every one of them. If you're a board game, you're like, you want to sell that? I got a couple hundred right now. Right now, I'll buy that from you. No, I, I like that copy. But I don't have to have any petty conversations. I am one of them. They recognize that our conversations can immediately go to a deeper level because I have the street cred. Matthew has the street cred right here to say, hey, come here. Come listen. I'm going to have this guy at my house. He's going to blow your mind. 
He's talking about how the kingdom of heaven is here and God loves us. Now, wait a minute, Matthew. What are you saying? Is he a comedian? Because we're tax collectors. We're sinners. No one likes us. Yeah, this guy's cool. He called me out. We're going to have the biggest party you've ever seen. Do you have people in your life, non-Christians in your life, that are saying, hey, let's have a party and you can tell them about Jesus because this is really cool? Or is it the other way, like, hey, now, when we go to this party, don't bring up your faith. Don't bring up politics. Those are off limits. Why? Meetups are really great. Jesus, he hears this question as he's reclining. The good guys, the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard to it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. We talked about this last week, didn't we? We talked about who is really sick. Is it the ones that don't have Christ, or is it the ones that think other people don't need to be there? Brian McLaren, controversial person, no question. He has a great, great thinking here, and it's who's lost, them or us. Theologically, of course, we all agree that there are lost and we are not. Those of us that subscribe to the teachings of Christ and say, this is the answer. It's because of your finished work on the cross that I'm trusting for the rest of my life and dependent on that is my only access to heaven. We get that. But are we lost in conversations around our neighborhoods? Are we lost in meetups? Are we lost in, in just everyday conversations where it would fit great? You could talk about Jesus, you just don't. Or you don't have any way to gather non-Christians. How do you gather non-Christians together? One of the jokes that we have, right, is as a church we think that the only reason they're not coming to church is we don't have a good sign. If we had a bigger sign that let them know, no, we're meeting right here at 6. We're here for you. Then they would come. Or if we did a radio ad that is highlighted, or maybe we could put some more internet presence, or we can skew the internet so if they search certain passwords that we can say, hey, we'll come up, look, we're looking for the answers. We think that they don't know we're around. They know we're around. They're just not interested. Matthew opens up his home. Would you open up that you could be part of a meetup? Meetup, just as a side note, I, I don't get paid endorsement. I thought it was really cool. Here's how it started. 9-11 happened and then meetup happened. And it was because a guy said, I realized at 9-11 I actually cared about people that I didn't know. I wondered who my neighbors were, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way, but I, I recognized there was this need for community. And I think as a society, we have recognized there's a need for community more and more. And so this is just a platform that drives community together in physical locations. His question, though, that he answers is when he's talking about who needs the physician, I think is really great. And this is my last point I think that we should consider. See, when you're involved with people, whether it's on your missional trails that you're doing, whether it's on your meetups because you're inviting them over to your house, there will be questions that will be thrown to you. It could be as simple as, how do you explain Tim Tebow? It could be hard like, poured gas on his wife and lit her on fire, how do you explain that? People have those questions everywhere. And they want to know who they can talk to. Jesus, when he answers, he does something very unique. He answers the question that empowers the sick people and informs the healthy. Let me say that again. He's answering questions that empower the sick and inform the healthy. In church, we tend to do the reverse of that, don't we? We're trying to empower the healthy, and we inform the sick. Hey, you're sick. Hey, you're a sinner. Hey, you need to change. Or as 
Albert said a couple weeks ago, you need to become unblind before you come here. Come on. That's not the message that we have. We are to empower the sick, inform the healthy. And I'm informing you that we need to be engaged. We can't be people that just don't do anything. We're not a social club. We don't come once a week, do we? Come to the social club, check in. Hey, I'm here. It's great to see you. What would you do this week? Did you have fun? Great. See you next week. Oh, please. I, I, that's not a movement I want to be part of. I want to be part of the movement that Matthew was. I want to be part of the movement of water skiers. I want to be a part of a movement that says, I'm sought out because of my faith. I want to be part of a movement that maybe begins at a board game night. And some guy says, so we're playing this game called Urban Sprawl. And if you've ever played it, it's like a three-hour game. And in the second hour, this one guy says to me, what do you think the meaning of life is? Because it can't be Urban Sprawl, can it? That is worth my entire night. Right? How do we thrust ourselves into those conversations? How do we jump hold? And if you're not a board game geek, maybe you should be. Sorry, I'm always recruiting to that area. The cool thing is, as in with Matthew, no one said, we have no account in the Matthew account, in the Mark account, or even the account we'll look at next week, that says, and Matthew's friends were confused. Why would you do this to us, Matthew? What is going on with you? You've gone off the deep end. You've taken the Jesus pill. It might work for you, but not for us. Get out. Nowhere is that recorded. It looks like it was a frolicking good time. We've got to ask ourselves, why aren't people engaged with us? It could be that we're not accessible. Missional trails will help you become accessible. It could be that we don't care enough to go into the third place. Our third place is so filled with Christian activities... Not bad activities. I'm not saying bad activities. I'm just saying, on that side of the bridge, we only get 24 hours in one day. i got to use them the way I can. And I have an advantage. So part of this I want to tell you is, I'm at a church that is trying to revitalize. You are by far the youngest that would be in my church other than my children. We have little kids too, but I don't have young people. I have old people. The majority of my congregation is over 65. My piano player, she's 78. She joined the church when she was eight. I'm steeped in tradition. I'm kind of stuck. It hurts a lot. I have a choice I can make. I can play church with them. I do their Bible studies with them. Love doing that. I can do church Sunday morning with them. Love doing that. But I know for my soul to be encouraged... I have to have board game night because I'm engaged with non-Christians. And one of the things is really cool. So just the continuation of the, the board game night. So one of the guys there says, hey, um, this is really cool that you do this twice a month, but you have kids in school and I have kids in school. And what if we've played during the day? Why don't you come over to my house at 10 a.m.? There's about six of us that get together once a month. Cool. I'd love to. Yes, absolutely. Let's play board games at 10 in the morning. I might be more awake. I have a chance to winning. And that leads to other games. And so, knock on wood, praise God, whatever you want to say, I can go gaming at least once or twice a week if I want to. And it's a community, right? It's being drawn in. And do every time I get to say, you know, God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life, it's just wonderful. No? Do every time I get to show who Jesus is if he were a board gamer? Absolutely. I play fair, I encourage generosity. I encourage conversation. 
I am there to be Christ with those people. Missional trails. Find your third place. Find a meetup if you need to. And answer questions that empower the sick, but inform the healthy. Don't inform the sick that they're sick. They know they're sick. Don't inform the healthy that they're healthy. Unfortunately, they know they're healthy. God, I pray that as we transition and we think about where we find ourselves in this scripture, that you would draw me and my friends and those that uh, may be challenged by this into an awareness of what you're trying to do in us, of something maybe that you're birthing within us, of something that we feel challenged or inspired to do. May your words be remembered, not mine. Amen.